Hey everybody, this is episode three of About Crypto, where we just talk to crypto people in the space, doing cool things and just to get them out there. And uh, today we have a very cool guest. We have Rory Murray, who is a software engineer at Tassin and also is a writer for Forbes Crypto, which is very awesome. How's it going, Rory? Good, thank you. Yeah, um, it's really nice to be here it's, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, of course. So let's get this thing started. So how did you get into crypto? Well, um, <laughs> like anything is in this space, uh, it's, it's long and complicated. Um, but you know, the, the short of it is that I have always been fascinated by uh, money and not just specifically the idea of, of getting wealthy, although that's a nice side effect, hopefully. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, the idea that, from my studies and where I, what I've identified, money to me seems like the purest, uh, the purest um, way to express all the different parts of humanity that are interesting to me. Psychology, politics, um, you, know, uh, you know, finance, um, business, just the entire range, I think, of human society is encapsulated in a large way in our the ways that we view hold store transmit and think about money so for me i've always it's not just it's not bitcoin that drove me necessarily originally it was money and the idea that understanding it uh one was going to help me and my family uh to not have to go through some of the um some of the issues that we dealt with by not understanding that into the great recession. And then also that there's a better, that there, I was hoping that there's a better way to do this going forward in the world. Absolutely. And you definitely touched on some great points, you know, financial education growing up, you know, through high school. I mean, we get very minimal education on that. Um, do you think that should be taught more? in schools and even touching on digital currencies as well? I, I think it's a no brainer that the answer is definitely yes. You know, there's always a qualification on what, where, how, why, and then also like, and I hate to say it, but you know, you also got to think about who's going to be teaching that too. And there's a ton of amazing, wonderful teachers out there, but I'm not necessarily convinced that, uh, a really good community citizen who's dedicated to to teaching and and caring about their 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 children, you know, in Toledo, Ohio, or whatever suburb in America, it doesn't matter, coastal, non-coastal, is necessarily going to be the best um, is necessarily going to be the best vessel for proper education, particularly these days, as even us deeply in the space barely have any idea what's going on. So yes, but I would say that I don't know what form that takes. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are you uh, working on right now in crypto? So my main gig is I'm a software engineer at Tasten, and we're a small little ragtag outfit right now who's trying to change the exchange space. And basically the way that we see it is there's, there's, there's two uh, dichotomies that, uh, between the exchange right now. You can either have centralized order book liquidity uh, you have KYC and AML, which allows you to have fiat on-ramps. 
and that gives you speed. Uh, it gives you um, support. You know that there's somebody on the other side of the phone or on the other side of the chat. You can, um, you know, you can trust the development, the development in that, and uh, it allows you, um, you know, speed and liquidity uh, and reliability in service. Let's say. And then on the other side of the equation is this, what I think is an awesome push into decentralized finance, but it misses the point sometimes, which is that you have to be on a dedica another dedicated blockchain that, that that's, it's going to cost more, period. And then there's another, there's an immutable trade-off uh, between security uh, and speed when it comes to blockchains right now. So you can be in a decentralized space, but that's gonna impact, that's gonna create higher fees, it's gonna lower the speed, and then that's gonna lower, just de facto, that's gonna lower your liquidity pool because you're gonna have less traders trading, trade, you know, with less turnover, uh, and they're gonna be attracted, you know, less to the, the higher fees. So you kinda need to get over this, um, this, uh, this hump there. So what Tassin is trying to do, and the idea is that we tend to do is we try, we're trying to kind of balance um, the best of both worlds. We want to provide a central order book liquidity, uh, speed, uh, and and very very low fees. By we are we will be a centralized exchange in that in that sense, uh, but we're going to be non-custodial, and so we don't want to we don't want to hold any of your personally identifiable information. Uh, we don't want to run we don't want to um, you know, but we don't want to run our own blockchain either. And so the way that we're going to try to solve that is through um, smart contracts that are that are native to each um, to each blockchain, and then allow traders to enter into enter into escrow contracts, uh, complete their changes in a centralized way, and then control their own settlement um, across chain. And the big thing that the big idea that we have is that we want to create a cross chain trade um, trade facility between Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, in a non-custodial way that doesn't exist right now wow so you guys have a lot of stuff going on and that sounds really incredible. all of this is aspirational of course <laughs> yeah, and you know we're working on it and um yeah. but you know we're we're making some progress and we really believe in that we really do believe in the mission yeah i think like most things in the space it, it takes a bit of a, a belief system as well and if you have the right team together i think you can make anything happen i hope so, so. thank you yeah man so good for you guys. So you also write for Forbes too. Do you want to? Talk so I'm a contributor. Yeah, just, just I'm a contributor for Forbes. So I just I just started there. So I'm not staff writer, but um, I'm a contributor uh, for their for their crypto and blockchain um, segment on Forbes.com. Uh, I just recently I just dropped my first article last week, and I have another one coming out uh, on Thursday morning, which uh, you should all keep an eye out for. Um, if I can, if you don't mind me plugging that. Yeah, plug it out, dude. Plug it out. What do you touch on in that article? Yeah, so I'm actually going to talk. I don't. I can't go into too much detail because I'm still under embargo. Um, but I'm going to talk about uh, some a major development in funding for uh, Bitcoin core development, nice. uh, which is sort of a nice follow-on to my initial article, which had been about the Human Rights Foundation's Bitcoin Development Fund. Awesome. I like the Human Rights Foundation. That's awesome. I'm a fan of uh, Gladstein as well. <laughs> yeah, no. I, so he's he's amazing, and I've been following his work for a while. So getting to write about them was uh, was like it was like the coolest first you know lead that I could have that could have come across my desk. And so it was I was super excited about that because um, I've been following his work for a while. And also like you know it's very uncontroversial. Like 
human rights foundation invests in Bitcoin privacy. Like that's a great story. And I feel like these days it's really rare. Uh, it's more rare than it should be maybe in crypto to find something that we can all, I'm sure somebody doesn't agree, but that most <laughs> of us can kind of agree is a, is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of drags me into another question. What's your take on COVID tracing? COVID tracing. Oh my goodness. We're really getting into it this morning. <laughs> um, you didn't give me any warning about no, that one, no, buddy. No, we're pulling the trigger on it. But <laughs> Okay, yeah. so let's pull the trigger. Let's pull the trigger. Um, holy cow, Cody. Yeah. It's really complicated because, yeah. um, because my initial view on on anything is to main is that we have a constitution and we need to maintain the rights that are inherent in that constitution and that is what we are as america and we need to prize that and privilege that okay so that being said when when we were trying to manage this uh pandemic initially you know i was hoping that we could take more of like a south korea like approach testing on every corner checking your temperature before you go into work or going into an event or a restaurant you know and have all of these these systems and then when they do contact tracing, I could be wrong, but at least initially, and my, my understanding is, and I'm not an epidemiologist, but my understanding is contact tracing is inherently like a pen and paper thing. Like it's like when you first have cases coming over, you kind of, fit, you, you interview somebody, you figure out, you know, who did they, where did they go? Who did they talk to, et cetera? Who were they snogging? And you kind of, you work that out. The contact tracing that you're talking about, however, I think the whole reason that it's so controversial is that we both understand that this is going to be a technological solution and it's going to be something that's basically um it's going to be like the u2 album on steroids it's like i didn't just ask for this it just showed up on my phone yeah. and and that presents a whole different range of issues to me that aren't necessarily captured by the term so do you think contact tracing is a good thing <laughs> absolutely yeah i think the the big turnaround for me is when the uh, privacy update on the uh, new iPhone came out and it says some of your apps will be tracing where you are and things of that nature to see if you came into contact yeah. with COVID or a hotspot. And I think that threw a lot of people for a loop. It's a little double speaking to call it a privacy update, don't you think? <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's going to trace you where you are and yeah. don't worry about it. Like, uh, not, not bad. It's going to happen. You know? Yeah. More of like a, a downgrade, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, it, I think it's tough because I'm also a pragmatist, right? Like I didn't just like, and, and I consider myself, I, I, I do think that, that real progress is made through, through a combination of absolutely unyielding belief and presence. And then complete pragmatism in implementation with the messiness of the world. And so I do understand that, that COVID thankfully, hopefully isn't as bad as it, as it maybe could have been, or we fear that some, that's not to say it's not bad, but it's maybe not like a contagion-esque level uh, virus. And in that way, in some ways we're lucky, but in other ways we're going through this conversation of like, okay, um, we need to remember that the government does have emergency powers and we have given that to them and that this is not new. Uh, and it's not that I, I don't really want to get 
well, we could. I don't want to get too much into right, wrong, or indifferent on the lockdowns, et cetera. But I think more the big wake up for me was that you guys and girls and people all need to remember that this was always going to happen when we had the next major emergency or catastrophe or thing. Whether it was an earthquake or a virus or a terrorist attack or whatever, this was always going to be how it was going to be. We were always going to understand that these emergency powers are, are bigger, stronger, and longer than we could have ever possibly imagined. And so that's a, that's a good wake up. But uh, I, so that's a long way of saying that um, I don't think the right way to do this is to forcefully download, so, is to forcefully push out pri- software updates to my private company phones <laughs> Uh, and then, and then track my data with a, um, with either a, you know, enforced or, um, opt out way. Uh, but I'm also pragmatic about the fact that we're, you know, saying America is a free country does not capture the even close to the reality of our current, um, currently interpreted, uh, rights and privileges. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm with you on that one. And thanks for touching on that. I know you're a software engineer, so you definitely know the ins and outs of what is actually going on with these apps and things of that nature. Scary, so, man. Yeah, it's, it's a wild world we're living in. But yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up here. And I just want to say thanks again for coming on. I mean, you're helpful for definitely my whole audience. And you have so many cool things going on from TAPS, Tassin to uh, Orbs Crypto. So thanks again, man. And where can people find you? Thanks so much for having me. I, you know, you're a really awesome personality in the space. You're a good dude. Those are hard to find these days. And uh, I just, I'm really appreciating the fact that, that, you know, I get, can get to know you more. We can work together more in whatever capacity. And, and I appreciate you having me on. Um, anybody can find me on Twitter at, at the Rory Murray, T H E R O R Y M U R A Y. I'm also um, a contributor to Forbes. Uh, you can just find me on that website in their crypto, um, their crypto and blockchain uh, segment. Um, follow me uh, and uh, and 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 get at me in it in any way. I love I love um, comments and but I particularly love biting criticism. So please please get at me. Awesome man, thanks again and everyone have a good day.